than bubble. I'm, I'm with you guys on when you think of bubbles, isn't the first thing that you think of bursting. Put it on the poll at Lebitard Show. When you think of bubbles, isn't the first thing you think of bursting. Second episode of the week, and today we are ecstatic to be joined by recurring guest, NFL expert, Oklahoma State alum, Green Bay Packer owner, Cole Jackson. What's up, buddy? Oh, uh, man. Thanks for having me. Oh, I, of course, man. How are you? Yeah, okay. It's always a good time to, you know, come on the pod and talk with you guys and just see what you guys are thinking and everything. Been working hard? Trying to, man. I've really been, I've actually uh, been looking at investment stuff lately, so trying Ooh. to get deeper into investment stuff, you know, build for the future one day. Nice. Maybe nice. just sit around and go to these events that we talk about on here. So hopefully, hopefully. Um, so Josh, or, uh, Cole, I'm sorry. Josh will be uh, joining us momentarily as his computer is loading up right now. Um, I did mention you're an Oklahoma State alum. We will get to that in a little bit. We mentioned you're a Green Bay Packer owner. I'm sure you have a lot of comments about the Green Bay Packers and the Aaron Rodgers. Uh, what do you even want to call it? A scandal? A contra? Uh, uh, no, it's not it's a just a saga thing. <laughs> a man. saga. That's a good word. Um, we'll talk about all that in a little bit. First, I want to get your thoughts. Stephen Curry. So before the season started, I, I uh, placed a, placed two wagers actually on uh, Luka Doncic and Kevin Durant to win MVP at plus eight hundred. And I love those odds. I loved it. Yeah. Stephen Curry was even higher than that. I left it alone. And he has come out being the best player in the world. Now, their loss against the Suns, um, worst performance of the year from Steph Curry by far, but not taking away from Monty Williams, that brilliant defensive scheme. That was his third game of the year with a negative plus minus. And that's the only game this year that the Warriors have lost where he's had a negative plus minus. Um, he leads the NBA in 40-point games, shooting 41% from three. Uh, unanimous, in his unanimous MVP year, he had seven total games where he had nine or more threes. Um, through his first 19 games, he already has four of those. Um, um, by the way, how fucking good were the 15-16 Warriors? They started the season 24-0. He's a, you know, one thing I was very curious about as Steph was hitting his height and everything, you know, back when a few years ago, like the, the 15, 16, 17 years, 18, all those, uh, I was curious you know, players have their primes outside of somebody like LeBron or somebody like that who's just a physical specimen that it seems to stand the test of time. But you've seen him kind of fall down now, but it's thirty. he's 38 now, I think, or 37. But with Steph, he's shooting, you know? Like, his thing is shooting. It's not built around athleticism or anything like that. You know, his dribbling creates shots and everything, but his jab steps and things are something that even, you know, an old Vince Carter could still do at 40, 41. So like with Steph doing these things, I feel like it's just going it. People were saying it was his prime, but I think that he might just be hitting a a second prime and it might end up being a third prime before too long. I agree with that. You know, maybe it's just his prime. This is is probably, I mean, up there with LeBron James, this could be one of the longest primes of, Right. Any athlete. But uh, this team, however, is 18 and three now. Uh, Clay Thompson and James Wiseman should be rejoining the team um, probably around Christmas, I'd say. And uh, I just want to ask you this question and throw it back to a take that Josh had in the last episode. Is this the making of a second unanimous MVP run? I think it's a good start. I think that uh, what's going to happen, though, is they're going to try to figure out how to mix Clay back in. 
I don't know if, uh, you know, if it was just a year off where it happened last year and they've been running, then yeah. But that game speed's hard to, you know, get back. They had great chemistry. Like, that Warriors team was probably one of the best chemistry teams you've ever seen. But uh, because they would just, you know, they just knew where each other were. They knew how each other played. And you know how it is on the basketball court. Like, whenever you just know where they're going to be, like, everything's clicking, and that's when you're playing your best ball. And I really feel like that's something that's going to hit the Warriors. They might go on a little stretch where they go, you know, 7-3, and three, but they're still going to be one of the top teams in the West for from here on out. 7-3 like, and three would be a bad stretch, huh? Um, exactly. <laughs> so uh, I, here's the thing. I, I think I heard this on the Simmons podcast, and I, I'm, I'll start – I'll preface this by saying uh, Miles Turner is the most overrated player in the NBA to me. I, I mean, he, he's a seven foot. I don't even think he's seven foot. He's a he's an okay defender. That's it. That's it. He can't shoot, and he shoots way too much. Um, and he, uh, Bill Simmons is just obsessed with this James Wiseman for a Miles Turner trade. How do you feel about that? I, I don't understand it. Uh, you know, from my understanding, I haven't followed the NBA like very closely over the past two years. But this Warriors team's defensive stats. Are within the top seven, correct? Right now, I think they're second in the NBA. Exactly. So, I think I last heard they were seventh, but yeah. So there's a second in the NBA in defense. Miles Turner is the only like that's all you would be getting from Miles Turner is defense. Like I don't understand the thought process behind that. They're a good rebounding team. The way that they're they spread out, you know, Draymond's proven time and time again he can hold it down down there at the five. So. And that was actually a problem that they had to figure out with Kevin Durant whenever Kevin Durant came. was They wanted Kevin playing the five, and Draymond yeah. was like, nah, switch us, switch us. Like, you know, like, and he was kind of left out in the cold. And so then, uh, you know, just saying that, I, I don't see it being a great fit at all. I am curious how Wiseman is going to fit into the whole scheme of things, though, because last year it was Steph and Wiseman, and that was one of the big problems mm-hmm. they had in their run last year and why they were having so many inconsistent games they would go on these little stretches in games and they'd be up by 15 points playing one way but then they would be like all right let's go back to this and they wouldn't actually commit to anything i'm curious how wiseman fits in so we'll see so that's the number one pick let's talk about the number two pick in that draft who has just been uh outstanding i mean how good would this Warriors team be right now if they drafted him number one? Um, they'd be a totally different team, but I think they'd be just as good. LaMelo Ball. I mean, that game last night against the Bucks. my goodness, the the cojones on that kid. To, I mean, just clutch three after clutch three in that fourth quarter. And, of course, Giannis. I mean, he Giannis being Giannis at the end there. But that Mikel Bridges shot almost went in. There is a Miles Bridges. I always get this. Experience. It's Miles Bridges. Miles. But it's all good. But, uh, you know, one thing with Lonzo, when he was coming out, I remember when he was coming out, I was sitting there thinking, I was like, I haven't seen anyone just know where people are. Like, getting back to knowing where people are, and you can see those things. It's kind of how, you know, one throwback to our days of being in high school and everything, but Oscar used to know where people were going to be. Like, he just understood it. He could see the lanes before the lanes ever happened. You know, Lonzo's like that. And it was the best one since Steve Nash, basically, of doing that. Well, I didn't know that LaMelo was that way, but LaMelo seems that way as well. And, like, you know, him being able to – Yeah, and him being able to shoot is just, like, the icing on the cake. And he's separated himself, and, you know, I felt like the change of scenery for Lonzo was great. Chicago is awesome. And I felt like that they built a great team over there to compete in the East. 
But LaMelo has, you know, just separated himself. I feel like LaMelo is the best ball brother, and he's proven it. And he, just pairing him up to be able to, you know, assist and be able to shoot in that Warriors lineup would have been amazing. But he's great. Now, with uh, let's talk about that Bulls team because when they first constructed all that and they kept getting guard after guard, and it looked like my fantasy team. Um, <laughs> how good are they? I, you know, I felt like it was the right mixture of things. Like Zach Levine is your guy. You know, like he's what you want to be your cornerstone. But he just hasn't taken that step of this is mine, you know, like he hasn't taken the, this is my step, mine step. And I think that DeMar DeRozan's going to help him in doing that. And I think DeMar DeRozan's shown him that he's going to do that. But, uh, oh, there's Josh. Josh. Hello, gentlemen. I just Hello, had man. two different Zoom things pulled up. I was in here twice. <laughs> how are you? I'm fantastic. Cole, how are you? It's good to see your face. Good to see you too, man. Getting a big beard on you. I know I'm I'm gonna trim it tomorrow. I just got a haircut today and uh I haven't trimmed the beard yet. So No Shave November's over with, so it's time it, to go. It's gotta go. <laughs> it's gotta go down a little bit. It's getting too big for me. It's starting to look like LeBron, you know, when he grew his out yeah. for a while. Oh, yeah, he really yeah, does yeah. look like that. You look like you're y'all more I, of the Habib. I, I heard you more of the Habib, yeah. <laughs> I heard y'all talking about uh NBA, the Bulls. Um have you guys touched the Thunder yet? Did I miss that part? No, not that we haven't touched on oh, the yeah. Thunder. Okay, well, then I'll start with what you guys are talking about. I'll start with this story, Josh. I told Cole this before. So I had tickets to last night's game. I had tickets to last night's Thunder game. They were super cheap. They were playing the fucking Rockets. Josh, remember where we moved? Remember where we moved down to um, illegally, um, right behind the Sixers bench? Mm, (laughs) Illegally, (laughs) I don't, I don't. Claim responsibility for illegal things, Skylar. Okay, well, uh, we, we where we moved down to, the seats the seats I purchased were three rows behind that, right? Yep. So I would have been sitting three rows behind Drake last night. Didn't go. So uh, go Why? ahead, Josh. No, Why didn't you looking. go? Uh, just family stuff. Could, couldn't go. Oh man, that is that is super tough. I'm depressed. I'm very depressed. I'm lucky I'm here. Um, lucky you're not planning my funeral. Well, Drake, I, okay, easy, easy. Nope, that's um, how I've been uh, Drake, feeling. Drake has uh, new parents now. That is uh, confirmed as of last night. The uh, guy who he did not know who he was, the guy in the blue shirt and the older lady. Did you see him Drake. ask? He said, who are you? Are you famous? Who he are said, you? Hey, are you famous? He said, no, man, that's you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Josh, um, uh, in, in actual basketball news, Josh Giddy, Rookie of the Month, yeah. Just playing phenomenal basketball, him and Evan Mobley. I mean, you can't say enough about the stuff that we've seen from Josh Giddy so far in his freshman or in his rookie year. Once he gets a shot, I mean, that kid is going to be an all-star in this league. I think that speaks to the development of the overseas guys, you know, like just that professional level. It's kind of like that step you see people take when they go into professional level stuff. Like, the fact that they're playing pros and they're not having to do the whole, you know, like, developmental stuff that we do here in the States. Now, overall, do I think that the States produced way far superior, you know, athletes and all of those things? Yes, but with within the basketball game. But, you know, you get those guys who come through, like Giddy and Doncic and some of those overseas guys, like Jokic. Like, I mean, some of them just take it to the next level. 
think Giddy came from the uh, the league that Lamelo played in, right? Mm-hmm. He was yeah. in the Australian one. Yeah, we've had quite a few Aussies be really good in the NBA. So, I mean, that's a good point. The uh, international programs, which is another reason that kids are, you know, not going to college or opting to go overseas and play professionally to get some of that experience. Josh Giddy's 19 years old, and he's out here playing with some of the best guys in the league. So, I'm loving Colt. What has been the most exciting thing for you so far with Oklahoma City Thunder? Just seeing that, you know, you know, sometimes it's it's like the Sixers, you know, the Sixers a few years ago when they were saying trust the process, trust the process, trust the process. When it all began, you couldn't really see you never saw them taking steps and you kept wondering, like, who's filling in what role? I mean, even now, like, you didn't know what role Ben Simmons played last year. Was he supposed to be mm-hmm. a primary scorer? Was he supposed to be dishing the ball out? Was he the guy you go to in the last minute? Like, what are we doing here? But with the Thunder, like, it's pretty designated roles right now. Like, it's when it's crunch time, it's Shea Gill, just Alexander's show. But we're going to be, you know, developing these guys as well. And Shea Gill, just Alexander understands that, you know, there's growing pains and everything else. But you can actually see those things. And uh, I've been impressed with their coach so far. I don't know his name, yeah. but I, I like the word. Da- da- I, like, I don't know how to pronounce it, but. <laughs> yeah. Dagnall. I like the way that he's, his rotations and everything else like that, you know, like I, I like it. What I've, what I've liked the most out of SGA is that his, his confidence never wanes. I mean, he'll, ha- he'll have bad quarters in games, but he'll still in the fourth quarter, he understands it's his team. They need him to take over. And those sidestep threes are phenomenal. I mean, those are a threat. Um, college football. Anything else in the NBA? I will just say that I think one of the craziest things about the Josh Giddy SGA dynamic is that they asked Mark Dagnall this the other day. They said, you know, what did you envision when you drafted Josh Giddy? He said, we brought him in to be a point guard. And they said, well, Shea Gilgis Alexander's point guard. He goes, exactly. Those two play off of each other so well. The confidence that they have and the chemistry they're building is going to be the future of this team. So I thought that was fantastic to hear. They have a game plan. They know what they're trying to build. I don't know that Mark Dagnall is actually the long-term answer as a coach because he is good at developing players and, you know, with the rotation, maybe he gets to that point, but I think that this is a, a good gap to help build the base for what could be a future championship run. I could agree with that. And and what happens in those organizations like that a a lot of the times is you get those developmental guys who come in and step into those roles. And then if they, if they like what they've done with the team, Mm -hmm. it's much too like a Brad Stevens. And I'm not saying I like what Brad Stevens has done with the Celtics, but much like what Brad Stevens just did, they put him into some sort of developmental role, vice president, whatever, whatever. And then they bring in a guy that they know is going to be able to execute on those, you know, coaching for the most part. So I think Brad Stevens is tired of dealing with those J bros. Um, College football, like we mentioned in the intro, Oklahoma State alum, Cole, Big 12 championship this weekend against Baylor. They played earlier in the year, a battle of two. I'd say these are the two best defenses in the Big 12. Um, It was a three-point game most of the fourth quarter. OSU scored a late touchdown to win 24-14. Um, thoughts on this weekend, weekend's game, boys. OSU is a five-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under is 46-and-a-half. I'm really hoping that we get back to what we, uh, you know, what our team is. Uh, we kind of threw the game plan out last week. The game plan was not what, you know, OSU has done this season. 
I mean, the defense, I honestly, like, they played good in stretches. In mm-hmm. two and a half quarters, they played good. A quarter and a half, they didn't. Special teams was terrible last week. You know, honestly, we escaped from implosion. I felt like that game should have honestly been us winning by 17-plus, and it turned into a, uh, you know, a nail-biter and scary and almost typical OSU fashion. But uh, coming back to the Baylor game, I feel like you got to establish the run. Don't let Spencer Sanders get it in his head that it's his show and he's going to run it and everything. Spencer Sanders, I love him, but he's a good dude. But it's not – that's not how the team's built. The b- team's built off the rush and the team's built off that defense. That defense has carried them this far. I've been saying it all year. We are not, the be- like, a top-ten team this year, but here we are. We're – the closest we've ever been to the college football playoff. I mean, I, I don't know how I don't know how they keep doing it, but they keep doing it, and I'm I'm here for the ride. It, I'm happy about it. So, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you how they're doing it, Cole, and they're doing it because they have the second best defense in college football, Probably right third. behind Georgia. I'd say, no, this, I'd, I'd say Clemson. Second best. This is the second best defense in college football. I'd say Clemson, right man. Georgia. Clemson's no. defense has better athletes. They're better coached. Hey, you can have a better athlete and be better coached, but when you're when you got dog in you, you got dog in you, and those dudes. Yeah, Malcolm, Malcolm Rodriguez. Rodriguez yes. When, ste- when Malcolm Rodriguez stepped on the campus, Five I was star. still there. He was a freshman when I was a senior, and Malcolm Rodriguez was a, a safety. He was a short safety who stepped up, and they converted him over to middle linebacker. And I was like, I don't know how they're gonna. But then I found out he was a wrestler, and he's not scared of anything. He literally will step up in the box. Uh, Bajorn Robinson. Whenever we played Texas, go back and check the tape. The yep. dude took him in the corner, right in the corner of every time he tried to stretch the ball. Every time that it, that a gap opened up, he met him right there in the gap. And it, I'm telling you, this is this is why this is how OSU's been able to do it all year long. They've just like Cole said, in Bedlam, Mike Gundy threw the game plan out the window. We went right back to being the high octane offense, trying to get in a shootout with the Sooners, and that's just not the recipe for success with the Oklahoma State Cowboys. It's just not. We don't want to get in a shootout with those teams. What we do is we control the clock, we run the ball down your throat, and we play smash mouth defense. That's what Oklahoma State does. That's how we win these games. And I think I think. If everything went – I heard this on the radio earlier on Sports Handles, listening to Coach Pat Jones. He said that if everything played how it should, he thought this would be a one-possession game. And I disagree with that wholeheartedly. I think that if this plays how it should, Oklahoma State wins by two or three touchdowns. They won by ten. They had three turnovers. If Spencer Sanders can cut down on interceptions to one and we get the running back – or if we get Spencer Sanders – over 75 yards rushing and only one interception, that's a huge thing for this game. And on the defensive side, we've got to stop the halfbacks, got to stop the running backs. Because Five yards uh, on a whole bunch of carries. So, I mean, just do that same thing. Keep them under 100 yards rushing and play defense. This should be a no-brainer for Oklahoma State Cowboys. As a Cowboys fan, I don't think I've ever been more nervous in my life, though, because it is just like Oklahoma State to go out and just – screw this game up but i've got full faith in the cowboys this weekend i'm hammering the minus five and a half i like it I'm hammering the under what is the over under on 46 and a half and what was it last time 24 14 yep yeah i think that's probably a good call I, right. I mean i just don't see oklahoma state going out and doing the same thing again have they confirmed the that baylor's quarterbacks playing yet he's not backup quarterback he's not 
Okay. And yeah, I feel a lot more comfortable about that. Their quarterback, I forget his name, but I actually liked him. I mm-hmm. like him a lot. He he's a very good pocket passer. Uh, Georgia, Alabama, uh, and here's—I I don't want to get too much into this game. Um, just quick predictions, but do you think Oklahoma State can beat either of those teams? I think they, they can beat, beat Alabama. Alabama. Yeah, they can beat they Bama. Can, I think they can beat Bama as well. Yeah, I think that uh, Auburn kind of, yeah, the you know being at Auburn gets everybody, and when you go there and it's a high rivalry game, it's the same thing. Like, you know, you can win on any given Sunday, you can win on any given Saturday, but I think that it kind of exposed a bunch of the problems that Bama has. And uh, Bryce Young, has a, he's still got a lot of growing to do. The fact that this man might be winning the Heisman just shows be you how New bad York. the Heisman – Yeah, I know. And it shows you how bad the Heisman race is this year. Yeah. And I think that Aiden Hutchinson should win it. But... That's, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's so – it's such bullshit that it, the narrative has to be – a Heisman has to be a running back or a quarterback. Yep, the, and somebody else, uh, Brandon Walker said this on this podcast. I think it was Brandon Walker. You cannot win the Heisman if you're not the best player in your county. Yep. Bryce Young is not the best player in Tuscaloosa County. No, I, I agree. And I mean, like, the fact, I feel like the person who should win the Heisman, and this is how I've always felt, should be, and this is how I feel about the MVP. The person should, who should win the Heisman or the MVP of any league should be the person that everyone walks into that stadium and is scared to death of what they might do to you. And everyone who plays against Michigan is scared to death of what Aiden Hutchinson might do to them. He just destroyed Ohio State's whole offensive line and completely wrecked it. 5-2 was a – man, that, that Michigan team, watch out for them. Yeah, I like them a lot. I think I think Georgia's, they're very Georgia's, fairly the second best team in the country. They are, but you know nobody. As long as Georgia just doesn't screw up on offense, that dang uh, defense is going to carry them to a championship. They're okay, ridiculous. We say that, They've but given they're, up. They're playing a freshman quarterback. That's what I'm saying. But as long as their offense doesn't screw it up, they're going to be fine. They haven't given up over 80 points this year. Joe Flacco no. won a Super Bowl. I mean, this can carry you a long way. I mean, Listen, Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. Listen, like, if if this Ala- if this Georgia team can hold Alabama to under twenty one points, they will have the single season scoring record for a defense in a season. Because well, right right now it's uh, right now it's Miami. They they allowed one hundred and one. I would not be surprised. I mean, if you made me bet, if you put a gun in my head, I'd I'd say that Georgia keeps them under twenty one points. That defense is so good. I mean, for like for like 10 weeks, they've only allowed like seven points. I mean, it, they've just played such good defense football. Yeah, I mean, they're obviously again, the best defense team in the country. Again, it, it comes down to Nick Saban versus K- Kirby Smart. Like three years ago, didn't we have like a 6-3 final for the SEC championship between mm-hmm. Georgia and Alabama? I mean, that's not unheard of for these two teams. I mean, defense comes to play in the SEC. And, I mean, we saw that. I mean, that's what Oklahoma got a taste of whenever they played Georgia, and Georgia made the big comeback. Obviously, they scored however much they wanted in the first half, but that defense from Georgia completely shut them down. SEC like, defenses are no joke. So do you all like Georgia by six and a half? Yes, easy. Yeah, Josh? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. No doubt. Um, yeah, easy. Over under 49 and a half. I don't think this, I don't think this reaches 40. I'm definitely hammering the under. Yeah. Um, other big games, Michigan, Iowa. I think Michigan – God bless. I hope Michigan wins that. Um, this is, that, that neutral, is, where I, is that neutral side game at? Uh, Lucas Oil. I thought that's where they hold it. 
Mm-hmm. I will say that that is the biggest trap game for Michigan because <laughs> Iowa has just screwed everyone all year in, in making everyone think that they were a really good team and then just falling apart after the loss to Penn State. So now, now it's – or Purdue, whoever they lost to first. And now it's just like it would be so Iowa for them to come out and just throttle Michigan. Right. Uh, and, you know, like, yeah. I, I do get – I like Cade McNamara a lot. I think Cade McNamara is going to take a step forward next year and actually be involved yeah. in the Heisman. I think he's a very good quarterback. But, uh, you know, they had that two-quarterback system. I forget the other guy, mm-hmm. but – and it seemed like Harbaugh just didn't like McNamara. I don't know why. He he rallied him last year. They went He went 6-0 and as the quarterback for Michigan as the quarterback and then came this year. And other than one hiccup against Michigan – or was it Michigan State that yeah. they lost to? Yeah, one other than yeah, it was against Michigan State. Uh, and literally that, a hiccup. And the pick, and the pick that he threw at the very end of the game was the most athletic pick I've ever seen in my life. The dude came from the yeah. flat and dropped into a cloud flat and completely snagged Incredible his play. fingertips. Incredible. It was ridiculous. So I don't blame him for that. They should be undefeated right now, and they are the clear cuts. You know, I'm just hoping he doesn't screw it up this weekend. Uh, Cincinnati and Houston. Here's a team that does hope screwed up this weekend. We need Cincinnati to screw this up. We do, and I really like Cincinnati because I'm a big Desmond Ritter guy. He's pretty humble. Yeah. Like he he's a he to grind it out. Like let's go to work kind of guy. And he's I, gonna I like be a backup him. quarterback for the next twenty years. I th- I think he's gonna be a good quarterback. That's for sure. But uh, I just it does suck that he's standing in the way of a college football playoff appearance because. You know, not to get back on OSU, I know I'm alum and everything, but just this is a turning of the tide for, like, this is the way that these last three months have played out after the initial announcement that Oklahoma and Texas were leaving for the SEC. OSU has rose to the top of the, like, they've rose to the challenge right now, and they're just proving to everyone, like, hey, like, we're going to be the top team in this conference for here on out, and we're ready to take that role, like, we've signed all of these commits have flipped and I think that they're going to be the best team in the big 12 moving forward. I think so too. And I think here's another uh, case for Oklahoma state to get in over an undefeated Cincinnati team. Even if Cincinnati wins, Cincinnati's coming to the big 12. Yep. So why would they put in a, a non-power five team over a team uh, over a conference champion where that non-power five team is going to that conference? And I don't know if this is a fair thing to say. I have always been under the impression, like, because you get these teams that go on these, like, two-year runs, right? Like a Cincinnati or a TCU or something like that. Who was it from Back Florida? when TCU had Tr- Trayvon Boykin, UCF. Yeah. Uh, but you get these teams that go on these two-year runs. For some reason in my head, I always, like, these one – if it's on their first year and they're undefeated, I'm always like, no. But then, like, on that second year, if they've gone two years undefeated and, like – I know that's wrong to be that way, but I'm almost like, you know, you've gone two years, you deserve it. And if Cincinnati goes two years undefeated, I'm not going to be like, okay, but, you know. How many how many top 15 teams does Cincinnati beat this year? Well, that's Notre, the thing. Notre yeah. Dame. I, and yeah. Oklahoma State has beaten two already, and they will beat one of them again if they have a chance to make it to the – college football playoffs but i do want to go back to one thing that you guys said that i think i'm going to disagree with at least in the short term i am not convinced that oklahoma state is going to continue to be the best team in this conference year in and year out and i think 
a big part of what we're seeing the success for Oklahoma State is a COVID year, is having all these developed seniors on the defensive side of the football. And that is a that's a big boost to this Oklahoma State team. And I'm not saying that they can't be the best team in this conference, but they're and get a little bit more aggressive in some of their game planning and be able to develop some of these younger guys a little bit quicker because the reason defensive missed that. Yeah, we, we, we lost a bit of it, but I think you were just harping on the fact that, you know, OSU's problem has always been, you know, they take these two and three stars, they develop them, and that's why they go on these, like, two-year hiatuses, and then they come right back with these, like, top teams. And, you know, credit to Gundy for always having a competitive-ass team and keeping them in the loop, but, you know, we do have those years where we go eight and four. And then we turn around and we bring it right back and we're 11 and one again. So, and that's once he gets those developed seniors, the last run was Mason and them when I was there, you know, that last year when we, if we had this defense, when we had Mason and James and Marcel Aitman and Tyron Johnson and justice Hill and all of those weapons that Mason had and Blake Jarwin, we would have won the national championship that year. I don't care who you like, you know, put up there, but you know, we just didn't have that defense. Mason and Baker got into a slugfest in Stillwater. And it was, was such 60, a good game. <laughs> it was such a good game because literally it was just play after play, like touchdown after touchdown. Oh. Hollywood Brown going and then James Washington catching one on the other end. So, you know, CeeDee Lamb catching them. Like, it was just a great game. Multiple NFL stars involved in that game, and it was, it was awesome. But back to Josh's point, I think that, you know, that's where OSU has to get more consistent. And I think it's going to help with the recruiting game. Sure. Uh, speaking of CD Lamb, we were talking NFL. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, before we get into the NFL, Kyler, uh, let's just remind everyone to go follow us on social media. Uh, podcast uh, Twitter is at BYBP. I'm at jkeatno 22 Kyler is at Kyler012. Cole, what's your Twitter, Twitter handle? J underscore Cole underscore Jackson. J underscore Cole underscore Jackson. Go follow Blue Wire Pods. Kevin Jones and company have a great program over there. They're building some wonderful things. The casino or the podcast studio at the Wynn Casino in Las Vegas, the partnership with Coors Light, Chris Long's The Spinsters made the number one new podcast in 2021 on the Spotify and the rap that's coming out. So uh, that's a great thing for the Blue Wire Network. A lot of things happening over there. Go follow the Blue Wire Hustle. That's what we're a part of, the up and coming network of podcasts who are doing this all together, coming up and putting out great content all the time that we love to see. Go follow all of those shows. Go follow our family over at Unwrapped Sports. They do all the live streams, panels. They just moved over to the app ColorCast. Shout out ColorCast. Uh, if you go on their creating account, there are always people that are talking about sports, whatever game is going on, hockey, basketball, football, all, all levels. So you go check that out, create your own account. You can hop in and start casting yourself. You can do what Kyler, Cole, and I are doing right now, except you're, you would be doing it live with others around the world. So definitely go check out ColorCast. Last but not least, if you want to win your fantasy football leagues, if you want to win your fantasy football leagues, go follow our fantasy football expert for all the trade tips. The trade deadlines are coming up this week or next week or last week. Get his, get his opinion and advice on how to fix your team before the playoffs because, trust me, you need it. Go follow at FantasyBYB, our fantasy football expert, Shane. With that, Kyler and Cole, let's talk NFL. Well, I know you weren't talking to me there, Josh. I'm on a two-game win streak in my fantasy league, by the way, uh, streaking towards the playoffs. Just but, uh, in the nick of time. Yep. Speaking of CeeDee Lamb, though, uh, he has a catch um, for 33 yards. In this game that's going on right now with the Cowboys and the Saints, with the Cowboys are leading 10-7, two-minute warning. 
Um, Didn't somebody just this, throw a pick? I don't even know. Uh, thoughts on this game, boys? I mean, Cowboys have to win this, right? I wouldn't say the Cowboys have to win. It's a the Cowboys you know, have to win, Cole. You think they have to win? Alvin Kamara is not playing. One of the best offensive linemen aren't playing. This is Taysom Hill's first start of the year. I mean, I, think though, I mean, you know, like if we're talking about like relatively though to the whole idea of them making the playoffs, who are they competing with? Like, I mean, they're not. They're going to win their division. It's not that big of a deal. I don't think you know they'll be seven and five if they lose this game. This is why you're not I mean, a you coach, know, Cole. What? Well, I'm just saying, like, I'm not going to, like, sell my dudes down the river. Like, that. look, like, they're not competing for – this team is not going to compete for the number one seed. So, what are you – like, you know, like, all yeah. you're trying to do is win your division. They're trying to get some confidence that they can beat these sucky teams. Right, well, the Saints, yeah. they're not – I mean, the Saints aren't built right now. The, for the Cowboys' sure. confidence, they just lost an overtime – they had an overtime loss to the – Las Vegas Raiders, who've lost their head coach, lost their star wide receiver this year. Their defense is completely banged up. I mean, they went in a, a shootout with Atlanta. I mean, Dallas is kind of spiraling right now. They need some confidence boosts because if they don't win a couple of these, I mean, it, it's going to get tough. And watching this Dallas team, it reminds me I'm, It reminds me a lot of my Packers back in the day. Like, dude, you know, I don't see the consistency on offense that we used to have, but and their defense is a little bit more consistent, so that's where it kind of balances out. But they go on these stretches of just like, you know, showing superiority of they can be anyone at any time, any place. And then it's like, dude, why are you struggling with the lines at two and ten? Like, that's what the Packers used to do. So and Mike McCarthy was a lot to do with that. Once we got rid of McCarthy and I love Mike McCarthy, but I just think that all his main focus is, is, you know, the big goal. And he doesn't stay consistent with, you know, the day in, week in, week out. So. Maybe Jerry's helping him stay focused. Uh, oh. he's not. He's not there this week though. So he has, he's uh, <laughs> the, the Cowboys. Actually, I mean, aren't they down like nine people on their team this this week? Uh, I mean, I think they had uh, a lot of people come back actually because of COVID. Yeah, I think CDs. No, CDs playing. Amari Cooper was like limited coming in, but I mean, for the most part, their skill players are playing. Yeah, they came back. All right. uh, but we are we do see a legit defensive player of the year candidate on this Dallas Cowboys defense. Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons looks very good. Yeah, Micah Parsons. And I'll give you another one that uh, will be a Michael Micah Parsons replica. Next year, you're going to see him. He's going to be a rookie of the year easily. Jabril Cox out of Florida is a Micah, is a Micah Parsons replica. And I love Micah Parsons at Penn State. And I'm a huge Michael Parsons fan. I wanted the Packers to, you know, jump up and get him. But that was before we got Devondre Campbell. I'm perfectly fine with Devondre Campbell now. But, uh, yeah, Josh, Michael Parsons has been a total utility player. He can rush the passer, can drop back into coverage, can hang with any tight end you want to put against him. And, I mean, next thing I know, it's going to be running with Tyreek, so I don't know. Just kind of uh, an aside from that, but kind of uh, get off the games here for a second. With the emergence of players like Michael Parsons and, you know, the guy you just mentioned coming out of Florida next year, and uh, even a guy, um, I'm blinking, I, I just had the name in my head, but um, – these uh, Patrick Sertan for the Broncos. These players coming in and immediately making an impact and making these teams better, is that going to affect how high these players get drafted, these defensive stars in college? I mean, because it – what did Patrick Sertan get drafted, 17th? 11. 11? I don't think it – I don't think it – I don't think it changes that at all. I mean, last year – Zach Wilson got drafted second. Josh, and he fucking sucks. 
Well, yeah. Well, two years ago, defensive players went like two and three. I mean, we can't we can't act like these defensive players, you know, aren't it hasn't always consistently come in and made an impact. Miles Miles Garrett, Chase Young, uh, Jeff Acuto, the cornerback, Joey Bosa, Joey Bosa. I mean, so these these Those defensive linemen. players have been what making about corners. I mean, I think, I think corner uh, Jeff Akuda, uh, like two or three years ago, was drafted in the top four. He was yeah. third. Yeah. So I mean, I, I I think that that's I th- I think that the defensive players are exactly where they should be. It's just a lot of these elite level talents are going in the top ten, top fifteen a lot of the times, and those are the guys that are going to come in and immediately make an impact. I mean, oh, man, and you I see, mean, go ahead. You're fine. I was going to say, and you see a team like the Baltimore Ravens, you know, you're grabbing a guy like away. I mean, all these teams that even whenever you get to the 20s and 30s, because some of these teams need offensive weapons, some of the better defensive players are falling to some of the teams that are already pretty good. And they're like, ah, yeah, we're good on offense. We go ahead and snipe as many of these defensive players as we can. I think you see a lot of uh, an unspoken hero, you know, a guy that I think one of the most underappreciated people in the NFL is a guy that is a defensive beast that no one even sees but Vita Vea for the Tampa Bay Bucks you know you want to know why the Bucks haven't given up a hundred yard rusher in more in two years it's because there's a 350 pounder that can run a 4840 and he crushes everyone who comes through the middle like they don't everyone had to get out to the side well, when they were trying to run stretches, you got Devin White and Levante David hunting them down like, you know, some ropers hunting some, you know, calves in the field. So it's pretty ridiculous. Vita Vea is the most underappreciated defensive person in the league, in my opinion. Yeah, smacked with that helmet and just was just smiling. Like, literally, they showed the replay of his, of his tooth getting knocked out. And then when the camera panned back to him after the replay, he was laughing. He's tough, man. He's awesome. And, I mean, he was the 12th overall pick, so right in that range we're talking about. Yeah. And that, that was a few years ago. So, uh, Let's move on. Vikings-Lions. Minnesota is a seven-point favorite against the un- – how do you say it? The haven't won yet, Vikings? Or winless. haven't won yet? Winless. winless. There you go. Uh, flu game. Uh, oh, and 10. This is at, uh, this is in Detroit. So maybe Dan Campbell gets his first win. I mean, this, I mean if it's the team that's going to do it, I think it's going to be this Vikings. It'll be a close game. I've got, I've got Detroit plus seven. I will also take Detroit plus seven, but I have no faith that they'll win this game. No, no. What happened? Never betting on the Lions, Josh. See that? That's my thing. I'm not. I'm not betting on I them. I took those. I took those rules to heart, man. I wrote them down on my little notepad over here last time. I, I was I'm not. Here. My thing I is, I'm not. I'm not betting on them. I would never on this show or never in my life tell <laughs> someone to put money. It. You just promoted. Well, I. I said. I said what I think, but I will tell you right now as a disclaimer. Everyone on the show knows. Don't put money on or against the Lions. Don't bet against Patrick Mahomes. Right. Don't do it. So I'll tell you what I think is going to happen. But when I'm talking about the Lions, it could go either way. I think, you know, like I'm look, I'm a huge Dan Campbell guy. Like I think that the intensity brings everything. It's the way you're supposed to approach life, not just, you know, the game and everything else. You're supposed to wake up every morning and be thankful you're alive. You know, go to work and be work as hard as you can and figure out the best way to do things and keep improving week in and week out. And that's, you know. That's what I wanted to see, and he's awesome, but he just has the worst job in the NFL and probably going to get him fired eventually. But. Oh, yeah, definitely. definitely. Does, this, does 
Does Dan Campbell this year make Matt Patricia look any better? Mm, Matt Patricia was clueless with what he's trying to do. Dan Campbell hasn't had any consistency on offense. His defense has actually played pretty well with nothing on that defense. Okuda ruptured his ankle at the beginning of the season. He's been out all year. So he doesn't have a single star, and he's gotten all the toxic people that, you know, weren't bought into his system. He's getting them out the building. So I think it's a real Brian Flores situation that he's going through kind of down there in Miami. I don't know if you remember Miami a few years ago when everybody was like, dude, this team's terrible before they got all these picks and everything else. But Brian Flores came in there and got all these guys and chunked them out the building. They cut something like 22 guys out of their contracts like that's unheard of like you'll let people walk and everything but they cut 22 people out of their contracts that's a lot of money to pay up front but you know and anyway i think it's even an indictment on uh on matt patricia because he's a defensive coach exactly so uh anyways buccaneers falcons this is at the mercedes-benz superdome in atlanta tom brady you know he doesn't like the falcons they are 11 point favorite the Buccaneers are the over-under is 50 and a half division rivals, by the way, are they? Yeah. 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 They're division rivals. Um, I will say that uh, with Calvin Ridley gone from Atlanta, I just have no clue what's going to happen with the offense, because if you can contain Cordell Patterson, then they're not going to score any points. I mean, that's the only guy that you have getting touchdowns. No one else on the team scores. Kyle Pitts will catch a, you know, a 15, 20-yard catch every 15 plays, and it looks really good, and he's athletic. Russell Gage will sneak by somebody and, you know, end up with a Deshaun Jackson kind of game, four catches on 80 yards and a touchdown. But, like, that's rare. That's not consistent. So I don't know that the Falcons are even going to score this game because when it, just like what Cole said, is Cordero Patterson going to be able to get around Vita Bay? Uh, that's true. And they did go. They did go scoreless against the Patriots two weeks ago. There you go. Yeah, I'm. What was the line? Eleven. That's still. I'm That's taking a it. lot yeah. of points. I'd take it, okay, but man. I'm taking it and I'm going under. I I think that the the pay or the Buccaneers right now are trying to figure a couple things out as well. Mm. Oh, it's I their it's their uh, secondary. They're so banged up. Yeah, they they've uh, it's finally st- coming back to haunt them. Uh, Cardinals Bears. This is in Chicago Soldier Field. Arizona is a seven and a half point favorite on the road. Over under is forty three and a half. Kyler Murray's return game, DeAndre Hopkins' return game, uh, should be a, should be uh, a blowout. I would call it. Um, over under is forty three and a half. That's an interesting number. I think that the Cardinals are going to lose. Actually, I think that uh, yeah, I think that the Cardinals are going to lose. Robert Quinn's coming off of a really great month. He actually just won Defensive mm-hmm. Player of the Month for the NFC. He had five and a half sacks last month, and uh, I think that he's going to be a, a key piece in helping contain, you know, Kyler. You can't really contain. He, he's kind of like a Lamar, but you just hope to limit him. But uh, I think that Robert Quinn's probably going to get at least a sack and put a lot of pressure on Kyler. And Kyler's got to figure out, you know, like what he's going to do with the ball because his last game against the Packers was not, you know, it, it, he's been struggling. So, he gets a little indecisive in times. Yeah, and he – well, he hasn't had his weapons. His weapons have been, you know, pretty much – I've got to – Cole, I've got I've to stop the show real quick because I think that this might be 
the first negative-ish thing that Kyler Donaldson ever. has ever said about Kyler Murray. I ever. can never get him to agree with me on anything bad about Kyler Murray. So I'm kudos ever. to you, my friend. Hey, people mature. People people grow up. <laughs> I'm worried. It's just it's it's what two or three straight years now, or at least two straight years now, where we're getting later in the season. It's like Oh, it, last year it was a shoulder, and now it's a hip or it's an ankle. It's like it's like a nagging injury. It's like well, it's he's the so same small. problem. It's this, yeah, it's the same problem that they're having with Burrow right now. They're telling Burrow, "Look, dude, you are you have a two to one interception ratio right now. You're looking excellent. Stop with this crap where this play is the end all be all. It's deciding the game. You gained six yards, and you just got crushed by." you know a linebacker but he looked cool doing it he looked cool doing it but dude we can make 10 years of highlights or we can make five like you know so it's the same problem i i don't know that that the bears are going to win Kyler, do you know who the starting quarterback is going to be for the bears andy dalton andy dalton is going to start okay well that then i feel a lot better about cole's pick i feel a lot better about the bears plus seven than i do back there but one person that is is going unsung on this uh chicago team is david montgomery david montgomery made the return and he is a key piece to this offense and with andy dalton out darnell mooney is going to just see target after target that man has come alive Here's another guy that's coming alive this season that I was uh, shit on for uh, saying he was going to have a good year at the beginning of the year. James Conner, uh, 555 yards, 12 touchdowns on the year. I don't know what happened. You called him washed. Well, Chase, no, I said that Chase Edmonds was the better back. And I still believe that, but I think he got hurt throughout the year and it just kind of didn't work out for James. I think that Cliff Kingsbury does not like Chase Edmonds personally. I think he's out for the man because every time Chase Edmonds gets 12 or more touches, you can catch the, you can check the stat. He goes over 80 yards rushing every time he gets 12 or more touches. So I'm a big Chase Edmonds guy. And he's um, so good at, at yards after catch. Like he's a good receiving back. I think that he's a good running back overall, but he's just, you know, Cliff Kingsbury's offense. Let's spread it out and chunk it 80, uh, 80 times. That'll, hey, that'll look, that'll look good at OU. Yes, it will. Hey, y'all's dark horse for the OU job? <sighs> no, my dark horse is Nick Saban. There's no way that – there's no way Cliff Kingsbury <laughs> is leaving the desert. Yeah, I, I don't think Cliff Kingsbury's leaving either. No, I've got, I've got my boy Saban taking that job. All right, boys. A team you just mentioned, the Bengals. Uh, they are at home playing the Chargers. Cincinnati's a three-point favorite. Over under 50 and a half. That's a lot of points. Hammer the over. Hammer the over. These two teams have been scoring. Kyler, this is the week that the Los Angeles Chargers win a football game. They are going – this team, I say this every, every, every episode – the Chargers on paper should be one of the best teams in the National Football League. And this week, they're going to go out in a high-scoring game, probably 34-37, to 37, beat the Bengals, and Joe Burrow's still going to throw two touchdowns. Joe Mixon's going to have two touchdowns. It's going to be an incredible game, probably one of the games of the weekend. Give me the over and give me the Chargers. So you're, you're predicting like a Steelers game. Game against the Steelers, the Chargers had. Sure. I don't remember what that score was, but it was 41-37. A- absolutely, I am. Okay. I agree. I mean, I think that it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think that uh, you have two 
What's going to be the deciding factor, though, in my opinion, is going to be the fact that Burrow is, like, one of the ultimate competitors. Like, I think that Burrow's coming into this game with a chip on his shoulder because he feels a little bit... I think he came into the season with a chip on his shoulder because he feels a little bit disrespected by the whole Justin Herbert hype. You know, uh, everyone, like, acted like Justin Herbert was the godsend second coming of Jesus Christ walking on water. And, you know, nobody appreciated the fact that Joe Burrow threw for over 300 yards in six of the nine games that he played last year and should have won rookie of the year if he would have stayed healthy, you know, and hadn't tore his ACL. So, you know, and all you've seen is inconsistencies this year from Justin Herbert. Like, he hasn't, you know, stepped up to the plate, in my opinion. I think he's played very well, but I don't think that he stepped up to the plate in big crunch time moments and and taken that second year of, I talked about this on the last show, how to win, you know. How do we win? Like, what do we have to do to win this game? And talking about time management, the decisions that he makes, stretching the field in the wrong situations, all of those sorts of things, they cost you. And I think that Burrow's going to step into this game. And I think it's going to be a slugfest for sure. But I think Burrow's chip on his shoulder is really going to carry them to a victory. The Chargers started the season uh, four and one. Since then, they're two and six. I'm sorry, two two and four in their last six. It's not been good. But I will say... If the Chargers win this game, if you have Mike Williams in your fantasy football team, plug him in and feel good because the Chargers win football games when Mike Williams has six catches because if he gets six catches, he's got 100 yards catching and one or two touchdowns, and that is when this Chargers team is at its best, a 6'3", big-bodied Mike Williams stretching the field and playing football. Him and Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen as a safety target, going to get 15 targets. Give six or seven of those things to Mike Williams and let him go. Jamar Chase, 50 receptions on the year, 906 yards, eight touchdowns. He's amazing. Um, What the Bengals did last week to to Pittsburgh and Big Ben, and obviously Justin Herbert is not Big Ben, what the Chargers have done the past six weeks, give me the Bengals minus three. I'm not going to touch the over-under. Fair enough. Giants, Dolphins. Some money. Giants, Dolphins. Yeah. Dolphins are home. The Dolphins are looking for their fifth win in a row. Miami's a four-point favorite. Over/under is forty and a half. Daniel Jones is coming off a big win last week, though, against uh, division rivals in the in the Eagles. Cole, who do you got? Well, the Dolphins. I'm a you know I'm a big. I think I've every time I've come on here, I've always been a Brian Flores guy, and I've always stood behind him. I think that uh, you know. Once again, what he overestimated was how ready his team was. He saw last year that growth, and he thought that his team coming into this year was going to be a 13-4 and four team. He cut a lot of veterans this offseason. Kyle Van Oy left. You know, a lot That's of those people. Move. It was, well. It was weird how bad make, he played in Miami. <laughs> well, it is so crazy because, like, you make these decisions. You have to make these decisions, and it's kind of like the Packers w- did with, uh, you know, I always bring up Packers examples, but I watch it so much that I see it. You know, the Packers were making a decision of, do we draft a guy that we think, and I still think Jordan Love's going to be one of the best quarterbacks out of that draft class, but do we draft this guy at this position, pretty much the same position we got Rodgers at, that kind of reinforces that narrative to plan for the future? Is Rodgers up? Well, you, we know Rodgers. 
and what a chip can do. Rodgers goes out and wins the MVP. So completely derails the Packers' plans. But much like to that situation, this is what the Dolphins went through. The Dolphins were like, all right, our defense just showed that we have the best plus minus last year. Mm-hmm. was the number one plus minus team in the, in the NFL with causing turnovers, creating dysfunction. And that defense had not played up to their potential through their first eight games. And it's why they went one and seven, has played great ever since they've been on this winning streak. And they're carrying them to these victories. I thought Jamar Chase has uh, 27 less receptions than Jalen Waddle, but has 200 more yards and double the touchdowns. Yeah, that's not surprising. That's you watch him. Jamar Chase run routes? <laughs> yeah, he, he, on takes, the, he uh, catches a slant route at three yards, and he ends up with a 98-yard touchdown every every play. I mean, it just doesn't matter. 65 yards out? Yeah, we'll give it to him three yards in and just let him make some moves. It's the is, stupidest thing. I'm a big Justin Jefferson guy. I was a big Justin Jefferson guy when he was at LSU. I don't think I appreciated how good Jamar Chase was when he was at LSU. Like, I always heard people talking about it, but I was always like, dude, Justin Jefferson is just as good as Jamar Chase. But watching Jamar Chase, I'm like, dude, like, Jamar Chase is ridiculous. Like, it's like cornerbacks aren't good when they cover him, but it's just how, how good he is, you know? Like, it's, it's pretty so how So how much credit – and I know that we just got it completely away from the Dolphins game, but how much credit do you give Jamar Chase's talent versus his chemistry with Joe Burrow? I think, I think it's has a, Yeah, I think the chemistry has a lot to do with it, but I also think that it was a it's a win win. Uh, I don't know if you, this is going to be a throwback, so you guys might remember this one. You remember when the Colts drafted Andrew Luck? Yeah. They are they had they had that guy from Stanford. Their first priority when they got Andrew Luck was they drafted Kobe Fleener in the second. Kobe round. Fleener, yes. He was his tight end, and Kobe Fleener was his number one target <laughs> at Stanford. And all any time he got on the field, you knew that ball was going to Kobe Fleener at Stanford. Yeah, and you know, as soon as Luck got hurt in his NFL career, Kobe Fleener just disappeared, you know, and Kobe Fleener went into the air and nobody knew what, where Kobe Fleener went. But, uh, but that allowed Andrew Luck to develop and feel comfortable knowing he had the safety, this safety valve, you know, just get him a little bit more comfortable with everything. And I think that's a lot to do with what Jamar Chase is. You know, Jamar Chase knows he had, he had like an ego thing at LSU before Burrow got there, but he knows that Burrow's coming his way. It's a real big reason why Jamar Chase quit on his team. And I, you know, like, I don't know the guy. I'm not trying to throw him under the bus, but he quit on his team last year in, at LSU. He, he played a couple games and then he said, I'm done. Like, I'm pulling the plug. I'm going to prepare for the draft. We're not going to be good this year. I'm not getting Max Duggan or whatever his name was. Isn't getting me Business involved. decision. It's a business decision, but he quit on his team, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, but... Yeah, I think football is just different, though, man. If you're going out there week in and week out on a bad football team, there's a good chance you're going to tear your ACL. Well, and it was a business. There's a there's a a chance you could tear your ACL on a good team. Well, Aaron Rodgers is broke. At least you get the exposure. Then he kicked the couch on accident. So I mean, you can kick a toe and you know mess up your toe and everything. But you know, and what he could have done is hurt his draft stock. You know, he could have hurt his draft stock. I think that a lot of but. He knew what he was doing. Yeah. I think him and Burrow were talking like, hey. And I've, I heard that, you know, he would have went in the 20s if Bur- if they hadn't drafted him. Well, but I mean. There he is at five. And, I, I mean, and, you know, another thing that you can talk about, someone hurting their draft stock was Chuba Hubbard playing that extra year at Oklahoma State 
when you know Oklahoma State wasn't a great team, he went through the year. But I think him playing that extra year hurt his draft stock. Whereas he, if he would have went the year before, he would have went a little bit higher than he did. But I, so I, I'll, I'll finish with this question about Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. Would Jamar Chase be as good as he is, or as good as Justin Jefferson was his rookie year, if Jamar Chase was playing with Kirk Cousins and not Joe Burrow? No, no, I don't. Okay. I don't think so. And I think, but what I think, what I'm from my take, I think what's being missed from my take is the fact. I think what this is allowing is a guy with an ego to develop as a pro, and you know, Jamar Chase could leave and go somewhere else three years from now after his rookie deals up. And I think he will be a good wide receiver. He's good. But I think that he has to learn, like he has to know that his targets are coming. Mm. It's the same thing right now that's happening in New York. Kenny Galladay's having a conniption fit right now because he doesn't have a touchdown. Kenny Galladay doesn't have a single touchdown. The dude's coming from catching all the balls in Detroit that he could, you know, establish. And he knew, though, that Matt Stafford was getting him the ball. I don't have any confidence looking at Daniel Jones knowing he's going to get – he's just as liable to run a 90-yard touchdown as he is to throw me a 10-yard slant. Fast. Sneaky fast. It'd be an 88-yard touchdown and trip before you got in the end zone. (laughs) And probably fumble. But I I agree. I also do, though, think that there could be a little bit of the the opposite going on where, you know, you give time to develop as a pro. But if you come in and immediately are getting the ball thrown to you – once every three plays, it might be hard for you to establish yourself if you were to ever leave and go play with a different team. Uh, just, you know, don't know the target shares. If you are had an ego when you come in and you immediately dominate because you know the ball's coming your way, how much of that ego really goes away? Right. I agree. I agree. I would say outside of New York and Miami, that was the longest Giants-Dolphins preview in the history of podcasts. Um, Eagles-Jets. This is in MetLife Stadium, New Jersey. Uh, which is weird. Why not call them New Jersey Jets? Uh, Philadelphia minus seven. Uh, oof. You, like, you like another road dog here or a uh, home dog here, Cole? So I've always had this like fascination with uh, the Johnny Menzel types and the Baker Mayfields and the Zach Wilsons. I think that they're all awesome. I wish one of them would pan out. Like yeah. it would just be awesome. The fact that Baker went to OU does, you know, does kind of sting a little bit. But he's, I love his swagger, love the competitiveness, love the way that he approaches everything. But, uh, you know, I want Zach Wilson to do great, but he has looked completely lost, like so lost that he doesn't like. I don't know if he's even like, I don't know if it's a playbook thing. If he can't get the playbook, I don't know if the dude. Confidence. I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I just don't know. I think that the whole slow down thing that they talk about happening on like the fourth stretch of the season, if it doesn't happen, like I would be seriously concerned with if I'm the Jets because, you know, they, you hear them talk about that all the time. As soon as they get in the NFL, like the game's super fast. And they're like, oh my gosh, like this is so fast. But that fourth stretch of the season, like everything starts to slow down. They go into their second year and that's when they progress. I haven't seen anything from Zach Wilson. He doesn't look better. That's all I can say. The inconsistency is definitely there. Uh, it is hard to put any faith into the Jets, although they did, uh, you know, get out a gutty win against the terrible Texans team. They're 3-8 uh, yeah. and eight on the year. And let me 
look at this real quick. They're three and eight on the year, and the Eagles are five and seven. So these teams aren't that different, but I would be a fool to think that the Jets would win this game just because the Eagles should win. Jalen Hurts should get a good performance back here, and the Eagles should should dominate. Miles Sanders should get his touchdown here. You know, when Miles Sanders has the ball, he's averaging 5.7 yards a carry, but they hate him. They won't let him run the ball. They want to go to Boston Scott and Kenneth Gainwell. If Jalen Hurts throws the ball more than 14 times, I'm going to have a fucking conniption. Just run the ball. Hand it off or Jalen, just direct snap and run it. Quarterback draw every single time. He's the 10th leading rusher in the NFL. Is he still beating Austin Eckler? Of course he is. <laughs> it's crazy. He's, yeah, these, I mean, these are guys he's beating right now. Elijah Mitchell, James Robertson, uh, Leonard Fournette, Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones, James Conner, DeAndre Swift, A.J. Dillon, Tony Pollard, Alvin Kamara. I mean, the, the, run the ball. Stop, stop making him throw it, please. They're the, only team, they're the only team that successfully ran the ball against the Saints. I mean, whenever they stick to the running game plan, it will work. And the Jets, the only thing that the Jets have going for them is the Eagles' defense is not good. So, Breaking if Zach news. Wilson was to turn it around, this is where it's going to be. Breaking news. Memphis defeats Oklahoma City 152-79. to 73-point margin of victory is largest in NBA history. Yikes. Oh, it's, oh Shea didn't play. That, I'm, I'm okay. Shea didn't play. She's out concussion. Uh, but yeah, both of these teams are bad. This is a uh, a game that concussion. Does that oh, mean that uh, him and Drake probably went out and party last night? It's a hangover. He's out indefinitely. That's a bad. That's a bad night. I'm a Drake. Or a good night. Yeah, they're in Toronto right now. So what's the line again? Uh, uh, Eagles. Eagles minus, minus seven. seven. Over unders forty five. Oh. I don't care about this. Give me the Jets plus seven and the under. Sure. Uh, Colts, Texans. God, this is just a great schedule this week. Colts. <laughs> the Colts. Uh, yeah, Indian, Indian, he's minus 10, 45 and a half. Mm. It's in Houston. Colts. Yeah, I think <laughs> that the Colts finally figured it out. Frank Wright's figured it out that uh, Jonathan Taylor's a beast. Well, he, apparently not because he didn't get the ball last week, Cole. Yeah, last week he only had like 16 touches versus the 27 he's had the eight games prior. So how about we feed the man the ball to get a win? That was a big-time game. Weren't, weren't they behind by two touchdowns, though, at one point? I don't care. That's the only part of your offense that works. Well, <laughs> like, that's true. <laughs> like, the yeah. game plan. That's like yeah. Mike Gundy. Come on, man. Hey, I agree with that. Oh, that was so frustrating. But I do agree. Jonathan Taylor is a beast. He is uh, the best healthy running back in the NFL. I, okay, that's a, that's that's a big statement. <laughs> Who's you, better? That's you've, got, you, you've got a man. Up oh, there that's in, healthy. Okay, that's what I'm okay. saying. Yeah, that's okay. playing that's healthy. I thought you were saying like if he's healthy and everyone's healthy, then he's the oh, best. No. I was I, like, okay, currently calm in down. the league. Calm down. Currently in the league, he is the best. Yeah, I got you, I got you. A man up there in Cleveland might have something to say about that, but uh, he is he is a little nicked up still. So, um, Colts. I think Texans, the only man that has something to say right now is Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon's probably the other best looking that offense, back. That well. offensive line, I think, has more to do with that than than. I mean, Joe Mixon's a great great what? running back. You think that, the Cincinnati Bengals' offensive line is great? That offensive line is barely turning a corner. 
Josh, he's averaging four yard or three and a half yards a, a rush before contact. I don't know that I don't know that I'm giving this credit to the offensive line. Washington versus the Raiders. This is in Las Vegas. Vegas is a one and a half point favorite at home. So this is uh, and if at home you get now it used to be three points now it's turned into one and a half points. This is a pick 'em. It is. I think that uh, they really. I think that everyone in the media and you know myself included is just sitting here waiting for the Raiders to implode. Like you just keep waiting. You're like, all right, you guys are just gonna go away into the night and turn into the same old Raiders that we thought you were because of all the crap you've had to deal with this year. But you know, Derek Carr keeps marching them out there. They keep marching their team out there on the field, and they keep showing up and. You know, Hunter Renfro is just a winner, so that's all he does is win. <laughs> and uh, I'm a big Hunter Renfro guy. It's like crazy how he plays for the Raiders and the Red Sox. He's so good. <laughs> anyway, but uh, I, I think the I think they end up reigning supreme in this. I think the Raiders take it. Man, I I love Hunter Renfro. Kyler knows I'm a big Renfro guy. I've been talking about him for weeks on the show. That dude just does it all. He tackles when he needs to. Yeah. He makes plays. That's he just he just makes plays. But I'm also a big Taylor Heineke guy. I love what he's doing. Mm-hmm. If you if you can almost beat Tom Brady in the playoffs, then you've got my vote of confidence. I knew that Fitz Magic was not going to be around for long injury or not. But I think I agree. I think that this is just one that, that the Raiders are going to win again. The Washington's defense has still not looked great. I mean, that's – that was the biggest confidence of this team that everyone had going into the year. I think that's been the biggest upset of any team this year from the predictions preseason was this defense was supposed to be yeah. the best in the league or one of the best, and it just hasn't been. So I think they're going to struggle. I think uh, Hunter Renfro and Darren – ooh, I don't – is Darren Waller playing? I remember he got hurt last week. I, I, I think he's – he always plays. Yeah, he's like Travis Kelsey and Gronk. Even when he probably shouldn't, but uh, I mean, Josh, you talked about Taylor Heineke uh, last year in the playoffs, almost beating Brady. He beat Brady two weeks ago. He held the ball for uh, like an hour and a half. Josh, he like <laughs> he sat on the ball. I think they come out and they beat the Raiders by a touchdown. Hammer the under forty nine and a half. Yeah. Mm. I'm not touching the over/under, but I will take the Raiders, whatever they were. It's it, I, I imagine it's gonna be a pick at, at game time. Uh, Jaguars at Rams. The Rams are a 13 point favorite here, uh, seven and four on the year. Uh, all of their losses have come have come to teams above 500. Uh, I'm not sold on the Rams. Cooper Cup is amazing. Matt Stafford's a little bit older. Uh, what do you guys think about this game? It's the same exact story every season with the Rams. Like, and I think, like, I don't know, you know, I'm not, I've never been involved with, like, game prep for a football game, so I don't necessarily know what I'm talking about here. But it seems like Sean McVay comes out every single year, has a game plan, he's been cooking up little tweaks and adjustments. He figures it out of what they did to counter his offense the year before. And he goes on these five game runs of just awesomeness. And then slowly into the night they fade off. And, you know, here's the Rams once again, just spitting and sputtering. Like, so I don't know what to think about it. I'm hoping that Matt Stafford just rebounds and is that X factor that says, Hey, like 
I'm going to do what a Brady or a Rodgers does and take control of this and make those adjustments that we need. Because you know Jared Goff wasn't doing that. Jared Goff barely knew the offense. I feel like he was just handing off to Todd Gurley, and then you saw how bad he was after Todd Gurley couldn't run. But, you know, I'm hoping that's what happens. But I would be scared. Like, I feel like these these are kind of the ones I wouldn't pick them as a – you said 13.5-point favorite? 13. Yeah, I wouldn't pick them. As, I wouldn't go with that. I would a lot of points. Take the points. I'd take the points. Yeah, I would probably take the points as well. But I don't think the Jaguars have a chance to win this game, and I'm going to use the same thing that Cole used about Zach Wilson. I'm not impressed by Trevor Lawrence. I get it. He's on the Jaguars. But Zach Wilson's on the Jets. I mean, these this rookie quarterback class – other than Mac Jones, has not looked good. I mean, they just haven't. I have no reason to trust Trevor Lawrence against what should be, what is a above an above average defense for the Rams. And I just, I can't do it. They're not going to win the game. I'll give them the points, but they're not going to win the game. I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't been impressed with Trevor Lawrence since his freshman, or since he took over for Kelly Bryant at Clemson. That season he took over for Kelly Bryant at Clemson, I was watching him and I was like, dude, like this dude's a dude. But I just have not seen – he can make every throw on the field. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, there's guys who can make every throw on the field, but I haven't seen him execute it. Like, right. it's my thing. Like, when are you going to start showing me, like, the dude that – like we were talking about earlier, you come into the stadium or I see you on the sidelines, I'm deathly afraid of what you're about to do to my defense. Like, Here, when am I going to see that? Here's my thing with the rookie quarterbacks, and I understand that Matt Jones has been the only rookie quarterback that's been good this year. But the Jaguars suck. The Jets suck. The Patriots are good. I think that's that's got more to do with it than anything. If, Tre- if Trevor Lawrence on the Patriots, are they eight and four? Yeah, maybe. I think yeah. better. But anyways, they're, eight and four. they're at least eight and four. Raven Steelers in Pittsburgh. Another another home dog here. Four and a half point favorites for the Ravens. Over unders forty four. Josh, I'll um, let you pick this one. <laughs> give me the Ravens minus four and a half. This is an easy game for us. It's supposed to be a rival game. Lamar is going to come out. We figure it out again. This is the week Rashad Bateman gets into the end zone. I feel great about this game. Pittsburgh is sputtering, spitting and sputtering. They just got trounced by Cincinnati. They're about to get trounced again by Baltimore. Give me four and a half. What's the over-under? 44. Yeah, I'll even take the over. I'm rooting for points from Baltimore, baby. That's a, that's a. I like the pick in Baltimore, but I would not pick the points at all. I'm a dude. Pittsburgh. I haven't seen a team that I've watched, other than watching the Texans, of course. But I watched them go out there, and Ben literally looks so bad. It's it's so bad, like. It's like, dude, you do you have you played football before? Because he just throws it right to the defense. He's like, hey, I want to go back to the sideline, and he just chunks it over there to the defense. But but the sad thing is, is he is he the worst quarterback on this team? I don't think so. Well, that, mean, I, dude. <laughs> oh, dude, that was my main argument whenever Mason was coming out, his backup. When Mason was coming out was at Oklahoma State, I told him, I said, look, the best because we actually said me and a couple of my friends, I said. The best place Mason could end up is Pittsburgh. And because he reminded me mm-hmm. of Ben, 
he the reminds me of Ben. Yeah, the big old head and everything. No, but he he reminds me of Ben. But Mason's main problem is Mason doesn't have that zip on his ball. Like there is no like it does not beam in there. It's always He's been a layup. It. Well, it that's almost like it is. Yeah, and Mason's first pass in the NFL preseason game week one very first play throws an out route to the right pick six Tremont Williams takes it back pick six at the Lambeau and I was like dude this is going to be the story of his freaking career and sure enough Mason has been picked off many so just to your point yeah he's not the worst but Ben's terrible <laughs> and they know it I think it just speaks volumes to how bad this team is can you believe they're paying him 40 million dollars to do oh. that ow um, since that uh, dominant win against the Chargers, uh, of course they laid an egg the next week against the Bengals. Besides that Vikings win where they won thirty-four to thirty-one, they haven't scored more than seventeen points. Yeah, we had to integrate Rashad Bateman into the into the team. I mean, there are things going on. We're figuring it out. Don't worry about us. We're fine. Okay, you think Rashad Bateman's week. that good? I think Rashad Bateman's going to be very good. I think the I think the person who's better than him sitting below him on the depth chart and needs to be above him. But Devin Duvernay? No, Tylen Wallace. Listen, mm, we can go OK boy. State we can go OK I, State bias all day long, but Tylen Wallace has checked the stats every one of, and he didn't have the quarterbacks that it, Tanner Morgan was a better quarterback whenever Rashad Bateman was there than he is the now. The thing but. the thing that hurts Tylen Wallace is Tylen Wallace is a poor man's Marquise Brown. Okay, elaborate. Rashad Bateman is the big body receiver that is just – he doesn't matter if he's six yards, eight yards, he's just going to catch the ball, and, and you can rely on him to make those big-time plays. Tom Wallace is quick. Tom Wallace is fast. He can stretch a defense. He can run the routes just like Marquise Brown. Marquise Brown is just a little bit better at it. What hurts him is Rashad Bateman coming as that kind of a safety blanket – to get those first downs along with Mark Andrews, where Marquise is spreading the field that takes that away from Tylen Wallace. I agree. I think Tylen Wallace is a great football player. I just think it's the wrong position for the time of his playing in Baltimore. You don't feel like he's a scheme fit for what they're trying to do? I do, but when you have Marquise Brown... Who plays the role, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just I think he's kind of getting screwed on where he's going into because he plays exactly what Lamar needs. It's just he's we've got a better one there. Right. I hear you. 49ers visiting the Seahawks. Uh, This line started at three and a half. Now it's down to three uh, for the 49ers. Over-unders 45 and a half. 49ers playing the best football uh, they played all year long. The Seahawks playing the worst football they played all year long. Um, if you listen to the last episode, you know that Russell Wilson is tanking this season. Uh, so I'm picking the 49ers minus three. They'll cover that easily. Yeah, I agree. I think that the 49ers are starting to hit a stride. And he's finally figuring out how to, you know, run his offense and get over everything that they've had to get over. I don't know. So here's the here's the degenerate in me, boys. I'm looking at this line, and I see Seattle plus three is at plus 100. Mm-hmm. That makes me want to throw some money on Seattle. I'm not going to lie to you. I do, though, think San Francisco is going to win this game uh, probably by a touchdown and a half. So I, I will take San Francisco minus three, even though I really would love to take that plus three for Seattle. All right. Broncos, Chiefs, running out of time here. Uh, KC minus nine and a half, over under 47. 
Um, I've got the Broncos plus nine and a half, but the Chiefs won this game. I actually like that. I like Denver plus nine and a half. Uh, Kansas City is still working out kinks. You can't rely on them game in and game out. I think Kansas City still wins the game, but that's a lot of points. Give me Denver plus nine and a half. And it started ten and a half, so for what it's worth. I actually, I actually, you know, if if Teddy B was playing, I don't think he's playing, I would actually be tempted to go with the Broncos here because the Broncos' defense is so good that people don't even realize. Like, it's it's ridiculous. Even without Vaughn, like, the, the fact that they shipped off Vaughn, I think just they are confident in what they have. And that secondary is so good. Like, mentioned so Patrick good. Sertan. I mean, he's a, he's a monster. Kareem Jackson, Justin Simmons, you know, all of them. They're, they're yeah. just ridiculous. Game of the week. This is the, by far the game of the week. Patriots Bills. I mean, this is this is going to I think decide the AFC East. I mean, uh, at the beginning of the season, I didn't. I don't think many people were going where had that take that the Patriots are going to be this far had to have this record um, going into Week 13 and competing for the AFC East. But here they are. Buffalo is a two and a half point favorite at home. The over over unders 43. I think that uh, this is a big game for a couple instances. The fact that it's a deciding game of the division, basically. And it's kind of like controlling the narrative of what's going to go. Like, Buffalo took advantage of the fact that the Patriots, you know, didn't have Brady last mm-hmm. year. But the Patriots got their quarterback now. And Belichick said, I'm back. And I'm ready. And every one of their signings, you know, outside, they still don't have a receiver. I will say that. They still don't have a receiver. But they're preparing. Like, every one of his signings has played a key role in what they've established. And if they, if Buffalo loses this game, the confidence that it's going to give the Patriots is going to be unwavering. And I think it's going to set the tone for years to come. Josh Allen needs to come out and, set his, and put his foot down and say, look, I'm a superstar and this is what we're going to do. I could not agree more with you, Cole. Josh Allen is the key to this game. The Bills need to come out and get a win. This is a big-time game for Josh Allen. It's also a big-time game for the Patriots, but I, I think that Josh Allen's got to put this one on his shoulders and turn the, and not turn the corner because we know he's very good at football, but he's got to prove himself as one of the elite. This is a this is a Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees game where you Peyton Manning game where you put the team on your back no matter what. I'm coming out and I'm getting this this conference win. I, it's the Bills' time to shine. Bill Belichick doesn't run this anymore. It's kind of a coach's battle, too. Yeah. I, I'm, you're right, game of the week. I'm going to pick the Bills. I think in I have no reason to. The Patriots are the ones with all the momentum. The Bills have kind of played shaky. But I think that this is just a game where you put all that to the side and you go, look, this is a game I'm winning for my coach, for the fans. Bill Mafia is coming out, and we're going to take this win. I'd agree with that sentiment. The Bills need this more. All right, you boys uh, ready for the BYB parlay? So, uh, Cole, are you going to give us one or two locks? It's usually a four-leg parlay, but now you're here with us. You're joining us, so you, you want to give one pick or two picks? Just give me one. I'll, I'll go easy on myself, try not to subject myself to being wrong. All right, Josh, go ahead and go first. It can uh, be college football, NFL, anything. Yeah, go ahead and give me Baltimore minus four and a half. Baltimore minus four and a half, all right. Go ahead, Cole. 
Hey, we're ready to answer the call. Oklahoma State going to take it. We're going to win. It's going to be a 24-10 game. Secure our second Big 12 championship. And make the college football playoff. Go Pokes, baby. Go Pokes. I've got Houston uh, plus 10.5. I think Houston, I mean, they've been playing really, they've won 11 straight, 10 straight games, something like that, playing really inspired football. Really, really good defense. I think they at least keep it close against Cincinnati, if not win. Well, thank you guys for having me on the pod. I appreciate it. Cole, before you gotta, you gotta, you're gonna have to suffer and hear our uh, our other two no, picks. You're good, you're good, you're good. Um, I, Kyler, here's some degenerate coming out in me. All right, give me Appalachian State minus three over Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajuns. Okay, you're gonna have to let me know how that game goes because I'm definitely not watching that. Uh, <laughs> let's 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 keep our uh, let's keep this parlay going until Monday night. I'm gonna end it with the. Buffalo Bills minus two and a half. Buffalo Bills. So we've got Oklahoma State. Did you say money line or minus five and a half, Cole? Minus five and a half. Okay. Oklahoma State minus five and a half. We've got Appalachian State minus three. We've got who'd you say, Kyler? Uh Bills minus two and a half. And uh Houston plus ten and a half. Perfect. That is the BYB parlay of the week that will not miss. That is going to hit. Yeah, I did. uh, Oh, yeah. Baltimore minus four. Baltimore minus four. Oklahoma State minus five and a half. Houston minus 10. Appalachian State minus three. Bills, whatever they are, something two. Minus two plus two. And, uh, yeah, we're going to win. This this parlay is going to hit. It's worth a bunch of money. Put 10. You win a thousand. One of those does not belong, and it's Appalachian State. All right, boys, this is a fun one. Right, well, well, hey, before we get out of here, boys, just one more thing. Uh, we have talked to Mike Stop on the show a couple of times. Just wanted to mention it this weekend, for those of you who do not know, is the Indigenous Bowl. It is, it's a 7G Foundation. It's a Indigenous people partnering with the NFL at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. A bunch of high school kids are already there. They're going to go play their hearts out. Gives a great spotlight to uh, indigenous people across the uh, country who are playing in this game. Gives them a spotlight for colleges and other uh, parts of their athletic career. So be sure to check that out this weekend on the Indigenous Bowl uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. They will be live streaming on live streaming it on all those events, and I'll be there live tweeting throughout the game. So be sure to check out the Berkshire Bubble Twitter as well for the Indigenous Bowl updates. Can't wait for everybody. All right, guys. See you next time. Thanks, Cole. See you, Kyle. Thanks, guys.